Okay, so Carrie, I wanted to, I basically just had a thought about something and I wanted to share it with you and get your feedback and I guess share it with everyone else and get their thoughts on it. Cool. So I've been thinking about this, obviously the YouTube purge and other websites purge. And while I don't think that we can change their terms of service or how they operate, I've been thinking about, well, like moving forward, what would a solution be? Because I don't believe in Obviously, I don't want the government to regulate this stuff. I think, you know, there is a case to be made that you could sue YouTube for um, <clears throat> false advertising. But nevertheless, I started to think about what, where these terms of service came from and kind of how they're structured and, and maybe a free market solution that moving forward, I think we should think about adopting. And so let me just walk through it with you and then get your thoughts. So if you think about where where the web terms of service that we have today came from, and I'm not a, a legal historian, this is kind of my understanding and view of how this came. You could argue, you could argue that some of these came from their other contributions and stuff, but this is one way to think about this. One way to think about where these came from is you had the old end user license agreements or click through agreements in software installation. And these were the things that were predominantly about copyright and reverse engineering so that when Microsoft sold you something, you weren't allowed to reverse engineer it or modify it or copy it or that kind of thing. Also, it, it limited their liability if the computer crashed because of the software and you lost something important, it wasn't the company's fault. So that was kind of the purpose of those original click-through agreements. And traditionally in industry prior to the internet and software, you, you had terms of service. I mean, in business, their terms of service is a thing. Service providers have terms of service and they're typically, uh, they're things like service agreements that are typically too, too directional. So we promise to do this in this way, by this time, in this manner, you promise to pay us and these are the terms and blah, blah, blah. And so the terms of service kind of included some promises to the other party promises to the user, not the provider of the service, but the user of the service. That was part of terms of service. But the web terms of service that we have today, I view this as really a combination of the old end user license agreement click-throughs plus terms of service agreements minus all the promises to the user. Their, their license agreement or the, the web terms of service agreements that we have today are basically just unidirectional. They, they mostly move in only one direction. So let's look at what some of the things they cover. They take implicit rules for user behavior and they make those rules explicit. So this is stuff like community standards. You can't post porn, you have to you know use this kind of language or you can't use that kind of language, um, that kind of thing. This includes copyright. You can't, you know, violate copyright law, obviously, and, and who has ownership over what you post that's included in this, how, how that ownership is disputed. It, it puts you on notice for certain company actions. So, hey, we're going to use your private information in such and such a fashion. Now you've been, that's, that's been disclosed to you, so you can't complain about it. Or, hey, we're going to track you in these ways. The cookies are the classic example. Now that's been disclosed to you, so you can't complain that a website is using cookies or tracking you. And, and a, a big thing that the terms of service do is they protect companies from 
liability. So this they secure their claim to the 230 uh, section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which exempts them from typical publisher requirements legally, which makes them not editors. So they're saying, hey, you're putting stuff up. If you do something wrong, if you you commit liable or you commit copyright infringement, it's not our problem. It's not us, it's you. And there's been some modifications. So they have some, actually they have some uh, rules that they have to, to do to address when you post copyright content. But other than that, they, uh, they're, they're securing their, their claim to this 230 exemption. So that's mostly all that the end user license agreements or terms of service agreements do today on websites. I was thinking about this and really because I want free markets, I think we should change the model to an end user mutual agreement. These shouldn't be one directional. So agreements legally, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I have done a lot of work related to contract law and stuff. Agreements generally need to be mutual and they generally need to have an opportunity for both parties to negotiate. This was some of the legal challenges against click-through agreements uh, years ago. But enforceability issues usually arise depending on uh, things like whether there's a disparity in sophistication. So if you have a lawyer and I don't, uh, that a judge may decide that if we have a contract together, a judge may decide to interpret it against you because you have a lawyer and I'm just a, a lay person. So you should be expected to understand the language better than I should be expected. Also things like no mutual benefit. If if one party's not getting anything out of the, the agreement, then, um, then typically it's difficult to enforce. So the classical end user license agreements require users to make promises to the company. You're promising YouTube, I won't put copyrighted material up. I won't put uh, quote hate speech or whatever. I won't. I won't do the following things. This is these are the rules I'll abide by for using your platform. But if we had an actual mutual contract, right? If we had an end user mutual agreement something that would be normal in most other circumstances. This is, by the way, this is an unusual case in most legal agreements between people, they are mutual. So if we had a mutual agreement, well, both parties would have to make promises here. There would be give and take and there would be a, there would be a negotiation. And so I thought, well, what would that look like? Obviously we can't force companies to do this, but if a new company came along and we had some sort of organization that said, hey, we certify your user, your mutual agreement as be as following these rules, what kind of rules would we want? What are some things that consumers or users might want in an end user mutual agreement or something like that? Well, some of the things I would think they would want companies to promise. Obviously, I think it would be very important for companies to have a formal acknowledgement that users spend their time, energy, and money to build an audience, drive users to the platform, and that the company benefits from it. And I think that's important because um, if you get into a dispute legally, it's important to recognize that the company is getting something out of this and, and, they rec and they, they've legally recognized that they're getting something out of it, something that has, is tied to monetary value. and. That's something that I think is absent from these current contracts because they're they're unidirectional. Another thing that we would want, obviously, I don't think we could get this from YouTube, but things like uh, clear and objective behavioral guidelines. So terms like hate speech. Hate speech is an inherently ideological and subjective term. Hate speech, different people think hate speech means different things. Hate speech is free speech. 
So if you have a principled stance about free speech, hate speech is, is a toxic term to you and you disagree with it completely. So just even including the term is already enforcing an ideology. So we'd probably want some clear and objective guidelines. But even if you didn't get those, or if, if you did, um, we would want an opportunity to appeal or cure, uh, cure a breach cure some misbehavior before any disciplinary action is taken. So if they say, hey, you did X, Y, and Z, we think you violated these terms of service. We think you did this. Well, they should have to come to you and give you an opportunity to appeal, go through an appeals process, and to or, and or correct the problem before they take any disciplinary action. So instead of taking your uh, account down or deleting things or demonetizing, first they give you an opportunity to appeal their decision. And this is something that would be standard in, in in most circumstances. This is none of this is a reach. None of this is far fetched. You also might want no retroactive disciplinary action. So something that YouTube did that was abhorrent with their latest rule change is not only did they update their vague terms of service and make them even more vague, but they went back and retroactively removed and punished content that had been published under old terms of service. Twitter's that's been doing the same thing too. Right, right, and that's unconscionable. So you, you, would, you would want a term that said, hey, rule updates means that old content gets grandfathered. You can't, you can't update your rules and then retroactively apply them. Old content remains grandfathered in, under the old rules. This is the last slide. A few other things that we might want. Uh, obviously, we would want a formal appeals process. I think it would be interesting if the user had an option to make the entire process open and public automatically. So if they could say, hey, I want to have this appeal in front of everyone in the community. I don't want it to be just between you and me. I want this to be in front of everyone so everyone can see what you're doing, what decisions you're making, how you're justifying those decisions It's so it's not opaque. I would think that we would want a grace period before rules change if changes take effect. So if you're in the middle of working on a video or you've been doing stuff one way and they change the rules, maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's 60 days, whatever it is, a reasonable thing to get would be a grace period to allow you to transition to the new rules. And one, the last thing that I think is actually super important is in the event of any disciplinary action that the company takes against you, for example, demonetization, deboosting you if you're, you know, uh, moving you down an algorithm rank or not recommending you, banning you, obviously, or removing videos. If if the company is going to take those actions, because you've provided the company with value in your user base, in your subscribers, well, as, as a compensation for taking that action against you, they need to give you a method of contacting your audience directly. Um, it doesn't have to be giving the audience emails. Maybe that's a violation of privacy, but they could have a tool where you can contact the audience directly. Maybe, uh, this is just, you know, I'm spitballing here. Maybe for a period equal to the amount of time that the user spent building a platform. So if I was on YouTube for two years and build up an audience, well, I get, and they suddenly ban me. Well, I get two years of being able to contact my subscribers. That's like and, a sunset clause. Yeah. Um, maybe I can't keep posting, but I can contact those subscribers in some way. 
And maybe you have limits about, you know, I can't email them every day. You don't want me to spam them. But there's some way for me to reach out to my audience and say, hey, I've been banned from this platform. I've been demonetized, whatever it is. Here, I'm going to this new platform. So I think the other thing that they would need to include would be content migration assistance. So if you've got a thousand videos on YouTube, they help you migrate those videos off and all the metadata and all the comments, they help you migrate them off that platform so you can leave. Now, obviously, I'm not saying these things are rights. I'm not saying we have a right to these things. I'm not saying the government should be involved in these. I'm saying if I were on the other side of a negotiation table, these are some things that I would want to get out of a negotiation with a large company that was doing this. And it seems to me that if we're at this inflection point in society where we are having alternate platforms like Gab or Minds or other platforms who may come in, bit and try and uh, replace YouTube and Twitter and those companies, well, we don't want to make the same mistake. We don't want to just rely on their goodwill. We don't want to rely on the fact that we think they're ideologically aligned with us. People can get sold, right? Tumblr sold to Yahoo and Yahoo destroyed Tumblr, right? Things like that happen. So we would want some sort of agreement. And I think we could come up with some standard, you could have a, a standard, a private entity that has a standard set of terms, kind of like Creative Commons, has a standard Creative Commons license that you can recognize when there's logos there. And if someone produces a new site, like BitChute says, here's our new video site, well, you'd wanna see the logo, like, okay, what are your terms of service? And do they include promises back to me or are they just promises that I make to you? Because it should be bi-directional. And I, to me, I think, I think it would be really interesting. I don't know how to, get that to happen, but certainly if I think a, a nascent platform would, a nascent platform with good intentions would welcome this and they would say, sure, we'll absolutely do this. They may wanna argue over a few terms and, and negotiate, but a well-intentioned new platform would welcome this kind of thing. And I think it would be a, uh, two things. I think it might then put pressure on larger companies to behave better. And even if they don't, it would be some, uh, guarantee for people who are a little bit nervous about, should I leave Twitter and go to Gab? Or should I leave Facebook and go to Minds? Or should I leave YouTube and go to BitChute? Well, what guarantee do I have that they'll behave properly in the future? Well, this would be the guarantee. That's the end of my proposal. I accept. Do we have a second? <laughs> what, I, what are your thoughts on this? No, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a good selling tactic for any new platform to be able to say like they, that would be a good PR move as well to talk about their agreement with, with users, with content creators going both ways. It only, it only came up because it occurred to me this morning in the shower that like I realized, oh, wait a minute, these are all unidirectional. Everything's unidirectional. It's all about us promising YouTube crap. Nothing's about them promising what we get out of it, nothing. And it's amazing because they, their content is what the creators provide. That's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing they ever give us is like there was pressure to provide some like promises about privacy, but that that took a lot of pressure, right? To get them to even do anything. And they still don't really respect your privacy very much. They paid some lip service and threw some crap in there that disclosing what they do, but that's about it. I've got an idea to make it even more attractive. What? Add, add healthcare in there. I want some healthcare from YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could negotiate that one. <laughs> That's a tough call, Carrie.
<laughs> the leftists Although, will like it. The leftists will like it on YouTube. Maybe uh, healthcare is a result of injuries from having milkshakes thrown up on you, uh, as a result of your YouTube videos. Did I miss anything? Like, what else would you want to see as a user? I mean, realistically, other than healthcare, what else do you think as a YouTube creator? Um, no, I I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, this is the first time thinking of it. So yeah, I can't yeah. think of anything off the top of my head that I would add. All right, well, I'll put this up and we'll see what comments are and what people say, but I just wanted to present it and it's helpful to just- Send it to some of these companies, send it to Gap, send it to um, BitChute. I, you yeah, know maybe... what, since the thing happened, since Vox, Vox Adpocalypse happened, I've seen people tweeting sites I haven't even heard of before. So there are a lot of- yeah, me too. Parlay is one I hadn't heard of. I think I had heard of it, but I forgot about it. Yeah, there's some others I had never heard of that. I think it, it's a good time right now. Something's going to rise to the top, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And actually, if there's lawyers in the audience, I think it would be interesting to start just like a private, uh, a private certification entity that was like, here are the here are the things that you have to do to get our stamp of approval, and and then go around to these new platforms and say, hey, would you like our stamp of approval? Just show us, your, make sure your terms of service include these things. We'll review them. And if they do, we'll give you the stamp. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I like it. Well, that was it. That was faster than I expected. But uh, I think we should end it. Thanks for listening to me. Yeah, I liked it. I like your presentation. Yay. <laughs> I'm going to make some slides next time. <laughs>